Hello, and welcome to this episode of Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. I'm your host, Al Simon with Sandler, and on this show, we talk with high-performing business professionals to sharpen our skills and learn new ideas and concepts and share best practices and get to know really smart people like our guest today, Chris Weissman with TopRight. So everybody, listen carefully, take some notes, and look for Chris's contact information toward the end of the show. And as always, we'll conclude the show with a sales tip from me in our Ask Al segment. So Chris Weissman with TopRight, welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is not your first rodeo. You've done radio before. I have been on the radio a couple of times. Yeah. Okay. So old hat. This is easy stuff. Yeah. Excited to be here. Yeah. Well, we're, we're excited to have you. Top right. Uh, y'all are, um, I, I love your, your, uh, your, your uh, line here. That's on, I guess it's on your website. It says, we accomplished this. And we'll talk about what this is in a minute. By crafting stories told with ruthless consistency. Man, I love that phrase. <laughs> Ruthless consistency. It's one we hear a lot and we say a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, can we start with that? Why do you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, when you think about brands and great brands, what you tend to see is is their messaging is fairly simple. It's clear. Uh, it's actionable. But it's told consistently. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Okay. I don't have to put a logo on an Apple commercial for you to know it's an Apple commercial. I could take you blindfolded in a car, walk you into a Starbucks, remove all of the green logos. You're still going to know you're in a Starbucks. True. And that's why those brands are so strong. Because what mm. they do, they do consistently. Their messaging is consistent. What they want you to feel is consistent. How they want you to think is consistent. And the execution is consistent. You look at other brands, and, and I don't want to disparage any brands, so I won't mention any, but there are some you'll watch a commercial. You say, oh, my God, that is just the most amazing thing, and you'll go buy it, and your experience will be horrific. <laughs> and it's because they're, you know, they're, they're marketing to you. They're not engaging you. They're not trying to build a relationship with you. They're trying to transact with you. So the, so the marketing message doesn't, doesn't match up with the experience. That's right. Great brands okay. want a relationship. Right. Not great brands want a transaction. Okay. Well, that's really good. well said. So great brands want a relationship. Not great, great brands want a transaction. Yes. Is that what you said? Yes. Wow. Good point. All right. So obviously, top right, you know, you're the chief marketing officer, and y'all are a, a marketing agency based here in Metro Atlanta. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How long have y'all been doing this? We've been around since about 2006, okay. and um, we we've uh, you know continued to hone and craft what we do, as I think most agencies do. Yes. Um, we're you know our focus is primarily on business to business and government uh, marketing, so we don't do a lot of consumer marketing, you're not going to see a commercial for Burger King or right. for Tide right. that we've created, but you'll see some things that are B2B um, yeah. or, or government related. Okay. And, and, and uh, obviously, uh, you do a great job since you've been around in, in uh, 2006, and, and your, your particular strength apparently is storytelling. It is. Yeah. We, 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 well, it, it starts with storytelling, and it's really yeah. the idea of crafting a story um, that that compels people to want to engage. Mm. And, um, and then taking that story and figuring out how do you execute it, and you use the term ruthless consistency, but right. how do you translate it into strategy, into media, and then into messaging that tells the story so that everyone not only hears the story, they feel the story and they live the story, and they want to be part of the story. So you must spend a lot of time with your clients before you ever put out any kind of, of 
material, right? I mean, you really got to get to know them, what their story needs to be. We do, and, and it really, for us, it, it doesn't start with the client. It starts with the client's customers. Oh, really? Because it's not, you know, it, what we tell our clients is we have to understand the needs that, the, that they have, right? How do we fulfill their needs? What are they feeling? How do they want to engage you? Because the story has to be something that their customers are compelled by. Mm. Because as much as we as an agency want them to stay with us, they aren't going to unless their customers stay with them. That's a great point. You know, it's interesting because, you know, obviously my company, we're, we're, we're sales experts. But I also often get asked about marketing. You know, I think people tend to lump sales and marketing together. But, I mean, they're so far apart, really. They need to work together, but they're different. So in your mind, what is the role of marketing? You know, um, I, think, I think for marketing, it's really creating the need, mm. right? I think about relationships between marketing and sales. I've got to sort of tee the ball up so that the salespeople can hit it, you know, using a, a golf analogy. Um, I've got to be able to compel them to want to have the conversation. So my messaging has to be such that the prospect wants to pick up the phone and call, or when the salesperson calls, they know who we are right. and are interested in having a conversation okay. so that it's, it's, not a, you know, it's not a cold call and it's not one where the sales rep is having to regurgitate the marketing message. The, the prospect knows who we are. So the brand itself has warmed it up in, in a way. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the role of marketing is to create that warmth. For the individual it conversations. It is. It's also, you know, when we talk about marketing for, for, our, um, for our clients and how they market themselves, it's getting them to stop thinking about it. marketing as advertising, right? Having, a, mm. having pretty images or, or a, a, a slick message. It's really about shifting and pivoting and thinking about behavior. And so what we talk about is the movement of behavior, Right. And it starts with, if I can't get someone to care enough to listen, then nothing else matters. So as a marketer, I have to get them to care enough to listen. If they already care enough to listen, I have to get them to listen hard enough to want to engage. Once they're willing to engage, then it becomes sort of a joint sales and marketing responsibility to get them to transact. And then marketing steps back in with user experience, et cetera, to get them to want to stay. That and it goes back sense. to what I said about transacting versus relationship. Yeah. If you get them to transact, it's wonderful because you've got money in your pocket. But if you get them to stay, you, you've built a reoccurring revenue stream. Right. And, and I think there's, uh, there's, a, there's a clue here based in your own marketing because most marketing agencies call themselves marketing ad agencies, and you right. don't. We don't. We yeah. don't because... The ad is a means to an end. Right. The ad is a visual, audit, audio, mm. or pictorial um, manifestation of the story. Mm. But you can have the most amazing ads. You know, think about the Super Bowl. You see the slickest ads. You have no idea why you should care enough to listen right. or want to engage. Right. It's just entertainment. And um, you know, one of the one of the things I learned early in my career is. Um, it's for sales, right? It's mm. it's one of three things. I have to get people to either buy more, buy more often, or pay more, right? And if I have advertising that doesn't do any of those things, you know, so behaviorally, they've got to buy more. Right. Psychologically, they've got to want to engage more. Yeah. Right? 
I think a lot of people think, oh, I've got a really pretty ad. I get to go to Par- you know, to France and collect yeah. a trophy at Cannes, and yeah. you know, none of that really matters if if your business doesn't grow. But it's interesting that you that you talked about Super Bowl ads because because companies pay lots and lots of money for that time. But I, I but I know you're right because my son and I were watching the Super Bowl one time when he was little, and he said he said, Dad, the the beer commercials are the best commercials, but I never remember, remember which beer it is. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because earlier in my career, I worked for Sergio Zeman, who was the chief marketing officer at Coca-Cola and ran an agency called the Zeman Group, who was a consultancy. Mm-hmm. And he told stories about one of the most iconic ads of all time, which is, I'd like to teach the world to sing. Mm-hmm. And it was an abject failure in selling more Coke. Everyone loved it. Everyone was singing it. Everyone replaced the word, you know, uh, whatever the word was with Coke. But, you know, it made people feel good, but it didn't make them behave any differently. Yes. So a lot of trophies sitting in a trophy case at Coke, but not necessarily a didn't lot of sell more Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't add any more new relationships. Well, that is interesting. And, and is, that the, is that the biggest mistake marketers make is that they miss the reason for the marketing? I think so. I think, yeah. I think marketers get, it, get enamored with the glitz and the glamour of marketing. Mm-hmm. And marketing is really about changing me- people's behaviors. Mm. You know, if you think about the market, especially in consumer products, which I have a background in, um, people don't need another soft drink. People don't need another you know, kind of tape. Yes. Until you show them that they do. Yes. And so they're going to have to stop doing something and start doing something else. That's what the advertising is intended to do, to get them to stop doing something and start doing something else. Yes. Um, And people sometimes lose sight of that and they think, no, my job is to entertain them. And I think that's a mistake. But telling a story is a lot different. And we use storytelling in sales. We we use third party stories. Mm hmm. Uh, and, and what we find is, and, and, and psychologists will, will tell us this, and I'm sure you know this, is that people would, will put themselves into the story. Right. Right. Well, and mm-hmm. the story's not about them. Right? And, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, if you're selling and you're telling a story, and you, you putting yourself into it enhances the story, great. But the story has to resonate with, with the receiver of the story. Exactly. That's how that's how they put themselves into it, right? Right. Well, yeah. If they can, yes, I hear what you're saying. Okay, yeah. I misunderstood. Oh, you thought I meant that the, the like the literally sellers put in that, yes. that? No, yeah, I'm talking about you know you've got to put the buyer into the story. Well, you've got to tell a story about maybe you know a third party, a, a client of yours that had a great result or whatever. Tell that story, you know, and just like a, just like a case study would start with a a problem issue mm-hmm. and then a process, then an outcome. Um, and in the same way, in, in a sales conversation, we talk about the is, you know issues or problems that the prospect had, mm-hmm. or that the client we now you know our new client had. We put them through a process. Now they're getting these kinds of outcomes. Right. And and when you tell a, like a third party story, like a like a case study, the prospect you're talking to about it puts themselves into the story. If they have, if they resonate with that issue, right? If they resonate right. having that issue, or or if they resonate wanting the outcome. Right. Well, and, and conversely, yeah. on the sales side, you know, when we do our discovery, we'll try and identify the pain mm. that they're feeling so that when we come back to tell a story, we'll find examples of where we've, we've 
cured that pain Mm -hmm. so that they can see themselves in the story. They may not be putting themselves in the story, but I want them when they hear what we're saying. And it's the same thing for our clients. Their customers should say, they understand me. I want to buy from them because I know they can fix whatever it is that I'm struggling with because they understand me. They've worked with people who have have similar experiences. Yes. And they're able to articulate that. And you help your clients craft and communicate those stories, right? How how do you do that? Um, It starts really with their customers. And so what we try and do is we try and understand the landscape. We want to understand what does their business look like from the eyes of the customer? Mm -hmm. What do they do well? What do they not do well? What matters in the marketplace most? What is it that they're looking for? And what we find is if we can find something that our client does well, mm-hmm. that really matters in the marketplace, that's going to be the genesis of the story. Assuming that someone else doesn't already own it, mm-hmm. we're able to, to, to use that as sort of the cornerstone for crafting the story. So, you know, you take a company uh, like Porsche. People would say, you know, Porsches are built very well, they're, they're, and they're safe cars. And safety matters. Well, I don't know that I would say the Porsche story should be safety because you would say, well, Volvo kind of, you know, at least historically has owned that, even though Porsche could claim it. Yes. So you try and find the thing that's compelling that the market really expects and requires that they own uniquely. Yeah. And that becomes sort of the cornerstone. I would think performance, thrill, thrill of the drive. Thrill of the drive, well, yeah. yeah. But how do they yeah. differ from BMW? How do well, they create yeah. distinction, yeah. right? BMW really has branded that kind of right. attitude. Yeah. And, and I think Porsche has decided that art and design yeah. is the thing that di- distinguishes them. I mean, they have oh, okay. beautiful, beautifully designed vehicles. Yeah, BMWs yeah. are beautiful, too, but different. Yeah. I read, a, I read a, an article not too long ago about owners of different car types okay and and bmw owners were the least happy really yeah according, according to this article yeah huh yeah they cited some you know study they did but <laughs> least uh. happy are bmw owners <laughs> please tell me that the the yugo was not the highest <laughs> i don't uh, remember yugo being on the list <laughs> but uh but essentially when i as soon as i read that i thought to myself I'll, I will never own a BMW. Yeah, well, I, you know, yeah. you also, you wonder, um, and uh, gratuitous plug for my brother, my, my younger yeah. brother wrote a book called The Paradox of Excellence. And the idea is, you know, the better you get, the better you have to get. Because, you know, and perhaps in this case, BMW owners have an expectation that's so high that anything that is below it drives satisfaction down, even though they may have objectively the best car i don't drive a bmw so there's no plug for them but so you're not unhappy uh, no i'm not unhappy <laughs> i'm very happy my car has four wheels and an engine and it gets me where i need to go there you go that's another th- another interesting thing right that you know some people buy cars like porsche bmw mercedes because it is a status thing right right others buy them right. because they have great you know you know uh, they, they keep their value longer or whatever so but it's interesting about the people that buy it for the status probably have other kinds of happiness issues right i mean well really, it could be yeah. yeah i mean it's an yeah. outward reflection of their themselves like i yeah. need this so that people think of me in a certain way as opposed yeah. to i need four wheels and an engine yeah. because i've got to get to the grocery store yeah. and to work and what have you so these are the kinds of discussions you have with your clients clients right they're, yeah. they're, they're customers in order to start to craft the story right and then you and then you pitch that to your client. So we'll come back and we'll say, 
here we'll, we'll present the, the research. Okay. This is what your clients say about you. This is mm -hmm. what your clients say about what matters in the marketplace. Here is where we believe you should plant your flag broadly, right? And so okay. it's, it's just simply, here's the idea. Okay. Once we align on that, then it's how do you dimensionalize it, right? And we do things like articulating how they want their customers to think, how they want them to feel, how they want them to act. We, we, we craft it in the context of why, what, and how, and mm. sort of uh, stealing a little bit from Simon Sinek and the power of why. Okay. But it's, it's you know, why do you exist? He has a great first name, by the way. He it's, does have an awesome really first good, name. Yeah. 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 Uh, but but it, it's, it, why do you exist? Why, mm. why, do, why should anyone care that you're here? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of clients will start with what? What do we do? We make widgets, we make cars, whatever it happens to be, and we mm -hmm. say why? Just, you know, I know what you do. Why do you do what you do? What does anyone get from what you do? And so there's an articulation of the why, what, and the how of how they, they, they conduct their business. And so we translate that into prose, something that they can take and drive in the organization. Nice. Because for us, we're a, marketing, we're a marketing agency. But we realize that everyone is in marketing, Right. If you've ever been to a mm. car dealership with a bad service bay, mm. okay, that is marketing. Yes, it is. It's marketing. Yeah. And so how do you craft a story that you can drive into the organization so that everyone can, this is can rally behind it? I would love to be in the room when you're talking to your client about these things. That, that must be absolutely fascinating. 90% of the time, they're awesome meetings. Yeah. There's about 5%, maybe 10% where it's... You don't understand us, right? Ah. I don't, you don't understand us. It's like, well, we understand what you, your customers, yes. how they understand you. Yes. We, we may not understand the way you think you do. We just understand, we understand how your customers understand you. Mm -hmm. Well, if they give you pushback, then maybe it's just not a good fit. So if 90% if are a good fit, that's probably a good it's number. A, it's a, we, we, yeah. you know, we feel very, very good about the success rate that we have. I'll bet you should. Well, and you, you mentioned it's mostly B2B. So what, I mean, what other kinds of descriptors would you call your own ideal customer profile? <sighs> that's Is a great it, question. I mean, verticals or a particular? Uh, no, or, yeah. honestly, you know, in the last six months, I've worked with chemical manufacturers, manufacturing companies, software design companies. I mean, yeah. storytelling is How about size? Does it matter, matter what size? Um, you know, we, we want a company that's, that has some scale. You know, if they're, mm. I'd hate to put a number to it because needs are different. Right. But I think, you know, if you are committed to investing in marketing and not marketing as sales presentations, you know, mm. basically a website and sales presentations, we're probably worth giving a call to. Okay. Now, you mentioned that you start with, the, with your customers' customers, but what if they want to break into a new market or they have a new product or service and so there's nobody to talk to yet? How do you handle that? Well, what you end up doing is you end up, instead of talking to their customers, you end up talking to the market. And mm -hmm. so you end up mapping the competitive landscape and trying to identify white space that exists in the, land, in the landscape. Okay. Once you find white space, then you have to come back and say, well, does that white space jibe with your story, right? You know, there's a, there's, you know, there's a, um, I'll give, I'll, there's a safety play over here, but your performance in this market, well, you'll violate your story if you go to that new market and you play safety, 
when you're all about performance. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they, they could actually ruin their brand and their legacy market space. Correct. By trying to branch out into something else in a different way. Yeah, and okay. I'll give you an example uh, that you may recall. Back in the late 90s, um, Las Vegas decided that they were going to be family-friendly. I do remember that. You remember that? And we all laughed. All yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's, that's exactly right, because yeah. it violated what happens here stays here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so they put the entire brand at risk, and all the casinos and all of the properties that contribute to the, the convention bureau there. Right to try and attract young families, which should not yeah. be in Vegas, yes. right? And yes. so that was, a, that was them trying to, to play someplace that they shouldn't be playing. That's a great example. Yeah, so once again, this is Al Simon with Sandler, and the show is Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. And we're talking with Chris Weissman, Chief Marketing Officer of TopRight, an excellent marketing agency. Ruthless consistency, telling your customer stories with ruthless consistency. I love that. I love that. Chris, I'd like to to know, and our listeners could probably benefit from this, but what's the best advice you've ever received yourself in your career? Great question. Um, I think the best advice as a marketer that I've received is um, to stop contemplating what what you want to do and start with the customer because it's all about fulfilling their needs. And if you don't understand really what their pain is or what their problem is, not, not just necessarily functionally, but emotionally too, uh, you, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna maximize the value you can create. And so I think thinking about it from a customer perspective versus from a company perspective is probably the best advice that I've, Love that. I've given. It's not about you, it's about yeah. your customer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And uh, can you share maybe your biggest success you've had in your career? Uh, you know, I've had a, I've had a very good career. Very proud of of what I've accomplished. Um, you know, I, I what I'd rather do I'm going to pivot you to more personal. You know, I okay. think I think uh, my greatest personal greatest success is is the the three amazingly successful and happy and well adjusted um, children that daughters that I have. Awesome. Who have gone on to do wonderful things with their lives, and and um, you know, I, I I would point to them as probably my greatest success. Thank you for sharing that. Sure, that's wonderful. Yeah, I was talking to one of my clients the other day, you know, who is is doing very well in sales, uh, but he's he constantly feels pressure to do more mm-hmm. in his job, right? Do more. Sure. But, he, but he's got kids at home. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about that, you know. It's, it's, well, you yeah. know, it's a tough balance. And, and yeah. you know, I, I'll say this. Look, I'm, I'm far enough into my career and I've raised kids. Um, nobody's going to bring the trophy that you won at, at work to your funeral, right? And there's a balance. And I've yes. seen people who have tilted one way and tilted the other way. Yeah. It's a tough line to, to walk, but I can tell you, um, there was a point early in my career where it was like, no, I got to get on the road and I got to go do something and I'm going to yeah. miss that soccer game. Yeah. And I reached a point when my kids were yeah. in their, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11. I just said, I'm not missing a thing. And, and I don't regret any of it. I don't regret any of it. Nor should you. I, I, it's, I, I, to me, it's about priorities. And obviously, you, you know, you, every, each professional has to sit down Eliminate some distractions and just think about what are my priorities in what order. Right. And then execute from there. And that's 
Uh, and that's, I guess, the best advice I would give someone. How about you? Best yeah. advice you could give somebody? Um, you know, personally, yeah, I think, you know, so two things I'll give you, personal and then business. Uh, on the personal, rec- recognize that your life is like a stool. It's a four-legged stool. You've got your family, your friends, your spouse, and your work. Okay. At some point in, over the course of your, your life, one of those legs, two of those legs, three of those legs are going to go out. What's the one that you need the most if you only have one leg to stand on? So that would be personal. Um, Great stuff. The, um, from a business standpoint, I think it's, um, and I love telling clients this because it just, it, what it evokes is, is unbelievable. And I'll say to them, no one cares what you do. No one. There's, you do, but no one cares what the, you do. What they care about is what they get from what you do. Thank you. And, Thank and, you. and so many companies are like, but we do this and we do this and we do this. And we'll yeah. say, okay, but what do they get from that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't have any idea. Oh, my goodness. This is such good stuff. In sales, you hear a salesperson talk, like if you do a role play with them or mm-hmm. watch a sales call. And, and, and so often what comes out of their mouth is, I'd love to. Right? I'd love to get on your calendar. I'd, I'd love to show, how I can, show you how I can save you some money. Right. right? And, and they don't realize prospects don't care right. what you would love to do. Right. It never crosses their mind. To, you know, my prospects don't wake up in the morning and go, I wonder what Al Simon would love me to do today. It, it's not something that ever right. crosses their mind. So why right. would we say it? Why would we type it into an email? It makes no sense whatsoever. And when, as soon as you explain that to people, they go, oh, yeah. Right. Makes sense. Right. Well, it changes the way you have a conversation, too. Yeah. Because you don't start with you. You don't start from the inside out. You start from the outside in. Perfect. Perfect. Chris, thanks for being with us. This hey, is happy great. to be here. This has been wonderful. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Great stuff. Al Simon here with, with Sandler. Simon says, let's talk business on Business Radio X. And our wonderful guest has been Chris Weissman, Chief Marketing Officer at TopRight. An ad, an, an ad, I almost said ad, ad, say ad agency. agency. Don't say ad agency. A marketing agency that gets results from their, for their clients by helping them craft stories told with ruthless consistency. Love it. Love it. Thanks, Chris. Okay, so now we'll uh, transition into our show, as always, with our Ask Al segment. Each, uh, each show, we end it by answering a question from our, uh, our audience about sales. If you have a question uh, about sales you'd like to, to uh, have answered on the air, you can email me at al.simon at sandler.com. And uh, you just might find your question being answered here on the air in our Ask Al segment. So today's Ask Al, the question is, what are the best avenues to locate prospects? <laughs> uh, from our listener, what are the best avenues to locate prospects? Well, okay, so we're talking about prospecting here. We're, you, know, you know, prospecting is the lifeblood of, of sales. You know, you've, you've got to have opportunities in your pipeline or you're going to starve in sales, basically. You've got to have them. So you can, you can rely on marketing, you know, to bring in uh, inbound leads. But is that going to be enough? Is that going to be the right ones? Well, if you're working with Chris's company, it would be. But, uh, you know, not that many people I work with have the right, uh, enough of the right inbound leads. So this, uh, this listener obviously needs uh, some better ways to get new prospects. And so it says, what are the best avenues? Well, when we say avenues, I, I'm, I'm thinking activity, right? What activities get the best results in terms of putting opportunities on your pipeline? 
And I would say, you know, start like what Chris says, start with the customers, your, your, your market in mind. I mean, where do they hang out? Where are they? Where, where do they hang out? So you can think in terms of, of trade shows, networking, uh, and, you know, where you can meet people who are in your target market and, and start conversations, start relationships and then conversations. Um, but, but maybe the most important one that a lot of people miss for various reasons is asking your current clients, your current customers for introductions and referrals. And a lot of people don't like to do that. First of all, they'll think they'll, their customers are not, are not going to like it because it, first of all, puts pressure on them. And second of all, you know, maybe they just don't want you going out and selling to their competitors. But that's just a conversation. You can do it right in a way that takes away those two pressures. Other people think, well, if I'm, you know, I don't want to look desperate. I don't want to look unprofessional. Again, technique-wise, there's ways to do that where you, where you take that away. The bottom line is most people don't ask enough. They don't ask their current customers, their past customers, uh, their strategic alliance partners. Uh, and by the way, another avenue is, is, is cultivating great strategic alliance partners, which is people that call on the same folks you do but don't compete with you. And maybe they're even, uh, in, in, a, in a way, you know, they, 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 they help you and you can help them. And so you develop these relationships with people like that and endeavor to bring them introductions and referrals. And then they, in turn, bring you introductions and referrals. So I love strategic alliance partnerships, cultivating really good ones. Uh, as an example, I've got a client that is a, uh, a wealth advisor, and he's got several CPA firms as strategic alliance partners. And they help each other, and it's perfect for that. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, networking, trade shows. How about cold calling? How about just straight cold calling? Well, if you've got a good database... Uh, and you've got a good talk track, and you know what questions to ask to open the conversations, and it's not what everybody else says. You've got to change the patterns, and that's all, kind of, all the kinds of stuff that we teach our clients if they do cold calling. Uh, people say cold calling doesn't work. Other people say cold calling does work. Bottom line is if you think it'll work, it will work. If you think it won't work, it probably <laughs> won't work on cold calling. And then, of course, social media when used right in the right marketplaces, certainly LinkedIn, using LinkedIn correctly. And I've alluded to that before for our B2B clients that use LinkedIn. You know, please avoid the connect and pitch. Please. It, it pollutes the water for all of us when you connect and pitch. Uh, connect, build a relationship, and then someday along you know, down the road it might make sense to say, hey, why don't we hop on a call and talk about this? And then you can turn it into more of a sales call. Uh, but all of these and more avenues or activities uh, can be in play. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish and where do your prospects hang out. So, hey, look, call me. We'll, we'll work through that and figure that out. And uh, that's today's sales tip in the Ask Al segment. This is Al Simon. Thanks once again, Chris. Chris Weissman at TopRight. And as always, folks, good selling.